Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, over the last few weeks, we've talked about all sorts of major changes that are in the pipeline when it comes to the NCAA and student-athletes. Uh, in fact, one of the first challenges has to do with athletes trying to cash in on their name, likeness and image. That's the NIL trilogies as it's known. And as I tweeted out earlier this week, we saw the first instance of this happening at a spring football game at the University of Central Florida where the kids basically were allowed not to just to put their names on the back of the jerseys, rather they put their Twitter handles on the back of their jerseys. And Gus Malzone, the, the head coach at UCF, was all in favor of it, saying, hey, this is great. We're all about branding. And if the kids want to put their Twitter handle uh, back uh, on the back of their jersey, we'll, we'll, we'll let them do it. So we'll see how this plays out. Again, that was a spring game, uh, you know, inter- intramural scrimmage game uh, for, for UCF. We'll see how this plays out down the road with the NCAA. In fact, as we've discussed, this issue about NIL, name, likeness, and image, that's going to be decided sometime later this spring by the United States Supreme Court. But on this morning show, I want to talk about another major development that seems inevitable when it comes to Division I athletics and how this change is also going to affect current high school athletes as well. In short, according to numerous reports this past week, the NCAA is now leaning very heavily towards eliminating the traditional transfer and sit out a year rule for football, men's and women's basketball, ice hockey, and baseball. Now, for years and years, if you played any of these sports at the Division I level, unless you got a specific waiver from your current coach, 
If you transferred to another college program, you would have to sit out a year from playing your sport. That rule has been around for a long, long time. It was the rule back when I was in college a long time ago, and that's the rule as of today. But apparently that rule is going to disappear and disappear soon. Again, we're talking about D1 sports for football, men's and women's basketball, ice hockey, and baseball. For all the other sports, the so-called non-revenue sports, uh, you've been able to transfer and play right away. But this is the rule uh, that's been in place for a long time when it comes to these big revenue-producing activities. Now, there are most likely going to be major repercussions from this new ruling. For starters, we already know that there are lots and lots of college athletes in the transfer portal. Uh, these are kids who are usually unhappy with their current program. Maybe they're unhappy with the, the playing time at their current school, or perhaps they just don't like the coach, or they've been told uh, that the coach is going to be bringing in a new recruit who plays the same position as that youngster does. But whatever the reason, the, this, this new rule on being able to transfer and play right away, well, it's going to open the floodgates of college athletes who are already in school and who are now thinking about taking their talents and moving somewhere else. And as you think this through, well, the truth is this new rule is going to have a real impact on hopeful high school athletes today who are looking to gain a scholarship to play at a D1 program. Why? Well, very simply, because looking at this new rule from the perspective of a college coach, I would much rather have a Division I college kid transfer into my program then take a chance on a high school athlete who was untested and unfamiliar with college sports. And to that end, as a college coach, I'm going to spend my scholarship money on those transfers rather than high school players, no matter how talented or how many, how many accomplishments the high school kid may have. I mean, look, put it this way. When I was coaching at Mercy College back in the 80s, if I had my choice of a junior college all-star baseball player, that I could recruit, as opposed to a high school all-star, well, I can be honest with you, I always preferred the JUCO. Why? Because he had already played two years of competitive college baseball and was, in effect, pre-tested as he came into my program at Mercy. So, what's going to happen? Well, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. And, friends, I want to talk about this today. I think it's a huge, huge issue, and it really is going to revolutionize college sports. And, of course, I'll take your calls at one eight seven seven. 337-6666. If you have heard me talk in the past about the wild, wild west when it comes to youth sports with travel and club teams, well, I have to tell you, I fear that the wild, wild west territory is now going to expand into Division I college sports. For example, will college coaches quietly, discreetly recruit players from other colleges to come and play for them? Will current college players reach out to their former teammates from high school and suggest they transfer from one college to their school? Let's be honest, especially thanks to social media, players talk all the time with their friends and, and even their opponents from other colleges. So how does the NCAA, which has always complained about how uh, understaffed they are in terms of personnel, how are they going to oversee and police all of this? And what would be the penalties if things are sort of go sideways? 
yes, we know that there are transfer portals. They already exist. Uh, and boy, oh boy, if you've even looked at a transfer portal, you should. It's really quite a, it's really an eye opener if you aren't familiar with how many kids are listed in transfer portals. So let's talk about this because I really think that you know most of the the momentum from this rule chain change is due to the fact that when a college coach you know, these days leaves one college program and jumps to another, presumably for a big raise in pay, he or she doesn't have to sit out a year. It's as simple as that. They go coach right away. But the transferring athlete, well, they do. And as we know, college athletes these days have increasingly protested that this just isn't fair. And honestly, it probably isn't fair to the student athlete to have to sit out a year. So perhaps you feel this new policy is a good idea. And I do know that there are people out there who feel that it is a good, it's about time that kids aren't penalized by having to sit out a year when they go from one program to the next. Uh, I, I just, I'd like to hear from you on that as well, because again, you might feel the time has come. And there are, there have been journalists uh, who have said, no, the time has come. Let's make, get rid of this a antiquated rule. But I can assure you, back in the day, you know, any kid who was in college, and was unhappy with their current program, or unhappy with playing time, unhappy with the coach, uh, whatever reason may be. I mean, a kid, let's say you're a baseball player, and you're playing uh, college baseball in the Northeast at, I don't know, a, a Boston College or a Northeastern or someplace, and you said, man, it is so cold up here in the spring trying to play baseball games in March and April where the temperature is hovering 30 degrees and you got to shovel the snow off the field. Why do I want to do this? I'd rather go transfer to, to a school down south. Maybe I should go transfer to UNC or to Duke or to Miami where the weather is much better for playing baseball. I mean, that's a, a valid reason. But the point is, you've always had to think in the back of your mind, well, if I do decide to transfer, I'm going to have to sit out a year. And for most athletes, the idea of sitting out a year and not playing their sport competitively, that just become uh, a personal anathema to them. They just don't want to do that. Particularly, for example, if you have any aspirations of turning pro, you don't want to give up a year of not playing because you don't know what's going to happen down the road in terms of your new school and the new program and what happens in terms of your playing time and uh, you know your efficiency there. So I, 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 I just know that for years and years and years, the idea of having to sit out a year uh, has always been a major concern, a major deterrent for any college athlete at, a, at, a, at a football and basketball, baseball, hockey. They just thought about, well, if I really do want to transfer, this is really going to take a year out of my, out of my career, my career trajectory. So let's talk about this because I just don't know exactly what's going to happen. I am Concerned, as I said, I, I, I think we're already beginning to hear from college coaches who are becoming aware of the fact that from their perspective, if they want to restock their, their current roster uh, of, of athletes, they are looking very, very carefully over the transfer portal already. And now that, that transfer portal is going to expand with even more kids who don't have to sit out a year. And if I'm a college coach or I'm in charge of recruiting at that school, I know I'm looking at the college kids first as opposed to the kids who are coming out of high school. And that's going to have an impact. And already I've read where uh, people who recruit uh, high school kids are saying the same thing. I'm looking at the college transfer portal first. one 337 6666 Let's talk about this. I'm eager to get your thoughts and comments. Again, you may think this is the world's greatest thing in the world. You might think it's not a good idea. 
but it's been around for a long, long time, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Okay, let me take a timeout. When I come back, I'll go right to your calls. Stay with me. Sports Radio 1019 FM, the fan, WFAN. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about a major policy shift with the NCAA that basically will wipe out the traditional one-year sit-out rule for Division I athletes who play football, basketball, ice hockey, and baseball. In other words, in those sports, uh, and we're talking men's and women's basketball, uh, these are traditional revenue-producing sports, of course, and they've had a rule in place that if you wanted to transfer from, uh, into a D1 program, you had to sit out a year. And for years, that's been the major reason why a lot of kids have not decided to transfer, despite the fact that they were unhappy for whatever reason in their current college program. But that's apparently going to go by the boards. And I just am in the sense that we're going to see just a torrent uh, of kids transferring, going into the transfer portal uh, and saying, I'm not happy where I am now. For whatever reason, I'm going to move ahead and and go someplace else. Now, uh, if you watched any March Madness this past season, uh, you saw firsthand how many college basketball players uh, transferred from one D1 program to another. But in doing so, they again, they had to sit out a year from playing. But now, with this new rule, they will no longer have to do that. And that's going to change the college game a lot. And in turn, as I said, it's going to have an impact on the recruiting of high school athletes as well. Let let me give you some quick stats uh, from the NCAA, their own website, to give you some numbers. In men's basketball, for example, in 2018-19, there were about 5,500 men playing Division I basketball. A little more than 700 were in the transfer portal during that time. So that's almost one out of every five players playing D1 basketball. And that was three years ago. In D1 football, again, according to the NCAA in 2018-19, there were 2,500 players who were in the transfer portal looking to move to another program. And again, I have to keep emphasizing this is, these are stats from three years ago. You can only imagine how the numbers are going to skyrocket once the sit-out rule is gone. And I just think you're going to find the numbers to be staggering in terms of kids saying, okay, I understand that if I go in a transfer portal, I'm, going to, you know, I'm telling my current program that I'm looking to go someplace else, give up my college scholarship, whatever I have in place at that point, but I want to see if the grass is, in fact, greener someplace else. In fact, I, I just... I, I got a note this morning from Wayne Mazzoni, who, of course, is our longtime expert on, on recruiting at the collegiate level. And, and you know, Wayne is also has a dual role of being uh, the longtime pitching coach at Sacred Heart University, obviously a Division I program and a fine one at that. And, and I asked him, you know, what about all this? And, and Wayne said, well, you know, if, if you're a kid in college, this is really going to benefit you in terms of being able to pack up and go someplace else. But from the coach's perspective, I mean, look, you spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, trying to get the kid to go to your program. And you've, you know, assumably have worked with the youngsters to develop their game as a, as a, as a, as a ball player. 
And now the kid says, in effect, well, thank you so much, but I'm going to pack up my skills and talents and go someplace else. So from the college coach's perspective, yeah, I mean, he, he's put a lot of time and effort into developing that youngster. But the fact is, at this juncture, now the kid is saying, uh, thanks very much, but I am out of here and I'm going someplace else. And who knows what the reason may be. As I said before, it might be just because of the weather is warmer down south for a baseball player, lack of playing time, doesn't like the coach's style, you know, whoever. But now the kid has had that one-year sit-out rule has been eliminated, and now they can say, well, I can go right now and play right away and, and, and see what, what my future holds for me. All right, let's take some calls about this. Eager to get some thoughts. Let's start this morning with Tim over in East Chester. Hey, Tim, good morning. You're on the fan. Tim, are you there? Yes, sir. Good morning. Tim, yes. good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I think it's the natural progression of college sports and youth participation. So I don't think it's all that bad of a day, uh, an idea. I mean, the schools that will benefit in the most part are probably the bigger programs because they have that kind of weight that kids are going to look toward as far as like maybe possibly going there, especially if there's some interest. So I don't think it's all that bad of an idea. Mm -hmm. As far as high school kids, um, this is where parental interve intervention and guidance is important. Like, look, first and foremost, concentrate on the academics. You know, you put that in the picture, and that kind of balances that playing field. And if a kid has somebody behind them saying, look, Wherever you decide to go, school is first and foremost the most important thing. Right. So I think that's going to be a big plus. So I think in the greatest scheme of things, I don't think this is going to hurt. Not as much as last couple of weeks when you talk about money mm -hmm. being introduced. Mm -hmm. that, that's a game changer. So that, that scares me a lot more than a kid being able to transfer after one year. Well, Tim, I'm glad you brought that, that, that connection up because, yeah, let's face it, recruiting can be sometimes a, um, a less than uh, reputable business. And, you know, the combination of kids being able to jump from their current D1 program to someplace else and not having to sit, and the fact that they're going to be being, you know, being uh, courted by college coaches, kids are going to be asking questions like, okay, what are you going to do, coach, if I come to your program in terms of making sure my, my personal branding is built? And what are you going to do for my, for my image and so on and so forth? As I said, this, this opens up quite a Pandora's box as to what might take place. I, 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 I do feel that after several years pass, and, and Tim, thank you for the call this morning, I do feel after the next you know, five, six years of having this new rule in place with transfers not having to sit, things will begin to calm down a bit. But again, the whole, the whole question about uh, kids, athletes today, and personal branding and being able to sign endorsement deals, that's going to be part of this whole mix. I just don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't think anybody does at this point. Let's, uh, let's move on to Rick in Morristown. Good morning, Rick. You're next up on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Good, Rick. What's up? Uh, so I'm a parent of a collegiate athlete. I have one actually going next year as well, okay. and I was as well. Okay. So I'm looking at it from a, a few points of view. Number one, I, I actually see sort of the numbers bearing out with the kid this year. He's a freshman. Yeah. And I, and I notice a lot of, uh, at the last second, a lot of JUCO kids got put on the roster uh -huh. out of the blue. So this is going to happen even more, probably, you know, obviously. But there's, there's a couple things. Uh, if I wasn't a parent and I wanted to watch some good sports, it, there's, there's almost a, a scenario here we can see where there's more parity that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. In other words, 
if you're a, if you, I, I know just from knowing all the kids that went with my son this year to a D1 program, 90% are not playing in their first year. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, probably 90. And those kids are pretty good players. If you were a really good sophomore or junior at Clemson or Florida State and you were getting time, you might just say, you know what, I'm going to take my talents back to a mid-major, you know, where I'm from, maybe, right. you know, UNC uh, Wilmington or whatever. Right. And now there's parity happening. And I notice, and I don't know if this is, if I'm crazy, but I don't know if the numbers are burying themselves out, but there's a lot more parity in, in, in sports. Look at football. Look at, look at the teams that, I mean, I know there's a couple of number ones made the NCAA tournament finals, or number one and two. But, you know, during the tournament, there's a lot more parity with, with smaller teams. With mid-majors, well, because right, that I, kid that was at Clemson yeah, can now transfer. go play. Yeah. You know? I, I, I agree with you, and I'm surprised that more was made about the fact that the parity uh, in March Madness with uh, with basketball. I um, mean, you listen to the commentators, they all talk about the fact, well, this team, uh, mid-major, uh, most of the starting lineup are kids who have played at, at Clemson or someplace else or, or Florida State and transferred out because they weren't getting enough playing time, whatever reason was, and now they're playing at – you know, at, at a Belmont or, 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 you know, someplace in Tennessee that schools are, aren't major, you know, are considered to be top D1 programs. But the fact of the matter is all these kids have considerable talent. They were just basically biding their time sitting on the bench at a bigger D1 program, and now they transferred out, sat a year, and now they're playing and showing their stuff. So I don't think anybody who follows basketball uh, was surprised to see how much parity there was in March Madness, or the fact that you know it seems that there are more and more upsets of big-time programs by kids who are playing, who transferred out and played as much so they had a mid-major now, and are obviously eager to go back and show the rest of the world just how talented they are. I think that's a real concern, and I think the fact you say, Rick, kids, uh, most freshmen. Uh, you know, don't play a lot. There are obviously a few who break through and start as freshmen and play a lot as in, 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 in whatever the sport may be, but most of them don't see much playing time, and they're the ones who are now thinking, geez, what am I going to do here? Uh, what's the guarantee I have to play next year as a sophomore, or should I transfer out and go someplace else? I think that's the kids you're going to be really looking at this in terms of, of, of what happens next. Rick, th- thank you for your thoughts. I appreciate it. Let's go to uh, Jack Smithlin over uh, at, uh, in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Now, Jack, you, you obviously coach at the D3 level in softball, so you're sort of like watching all this as well. What, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, well, let's put it this way. It's not going to happen with us at D3, so it's not going to cause any problems there. But, you know, we talked about this. And as I've quoted you before, you know, we talked about the wild, wild west, but I think I just texted you and I said something about this is going to be like the shootout at the OK Corral now. Because I remember watching a movie called Blue Chips. Yep. And there was an organization, there was an organization called Friends of the Program. And they would try to get these recruits in and stuff like that. Well, that no longer is going to exist. Now, an alumni can call up a, a player from another school and say, hey, listen, here's a, you come here, look what we're going to give you, you know. And, I mean, I remember when Zach was playing at Penn State, a good friend of mine was a very, very powerful alumni at a school in the South. I'm not going to name the name, but a very big power baseball school. And Zach had a very good um, redshirt uh, freshman year. He was a sophomore. He got redshirted as a freshman, of course. And he broke, he, he, he went and broke um, Big Ten stolen base records. He still holds, he, he batted, I think, 370 in his freshman year. Um, and this alumni gave me a call. 
And he said, listen, I'm very in with the coaches down here. I already spoke to one of the coaches, mm -hmm. the recruiting coach. And what do you think about Zach coming to, um, you know, down to Florida to play ball? Right. And, you know, and I knew the school, very big, powerful house. And we said, no, we're happy at Penn State. Um, but that will be allowed now. I mean, you know, well, I, there, I, there, are no, there are no rules. So, I mean – you know, I don't know if it'll be allowed, but I do think that's going to happen. As you just said, Jack, it happens already. Now it's going to be like a, a torrent of, of, of these so-called alums, uh, booster clubs, whatever you want to call it. They're going to be all over this saying, hey, uh, why don't you come here to a better program, look at our facilities, so on and so forth. Uh, I think it's going to be, as you said, it's going to be everywhere. Um, let me ask you this, as a Division three softball coach, how would you feel if you had a kid who was a you, know, you spent a lot of time with and, and is developing nicely and really showing great progress and, and was so grateful for, for uh, your, all your help, and then comes to you and says, you know, Coach Smithlin, I, 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 um, I'm thinking I want, a division, I want to transfer to a Division One softball program. Is that okay with you? How would you react to that? Well, I'm going to tell you, you're going to, I think you might be a little bit shocked at this feeling, but if, listen, D3, and you've told me this, D3, these kids are already, even if they're not playing with grit out on the field, yeah. they're already showing grit. Because you said, and I quoted you to my team, and they loved what you said, that they should be honored because they're playing actually for the love of the game. Mm -hmm. They're paid to play softball at a college level. Right. And and I agree with you 100%, and so did everybody that I told, and Ashley, my head coach. They agree. They do. They have that grit. But if this kid could better themselves, I mean, listen, me putting in all the work, that's my job, you know, and I love every second of it, as does Ashley. And, you know, and we want what's best for our kids. And if our kid feels, listen, this is what's best for me, I can go play and get money at the D1 level, then you know what? Thank you for playing for us, and I'll find somebody else. But, you know, it would upset me because we make bonds with our players. Good coaches make connections with their players, as I did and, and Ashley definitely does, you know. But if it's something that could better them, can help them out, can give them money now where they're paying. I mean, we have kids right now, Rick, at this level that have jobs. We haven't had a full team at practice yet because, you know, Ashley looks at the holistic part of life, the caring of the person themselves, not just the softball player. And these kids have to work to put themselves through school. They're not getting money from all their, you know, a lot of them are not getting money from their parents. They have to work to support themselves, and yet they still go out and put in 25, 30, 40 hours a week at softball. So I would feel, listen, I would be upset. I guarantee you that, you know, I wouldn't like it, but I would feel for the kid, and my heart would go out to the kid. Yeah, and, I, you know, Ash would feel the same way. I know you would feel the same way because we're not here to make them great softball players only. We're here to make them great people. Yeah. And if this is going to help them, 
go right ahead. But I, this is going to be a crazy war. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> thanks, Jack. And, and thanks, as always, for your thoughts. And, and uh, you know, Jack makes a good point that, uh, yes, yeah, especially, and this is so true of Division three athletes who, of course, do not uh, get any kind of uh, financial aid for athletics, uh, that, yeah, a lot of them obviously are going into debt, uh, but they are, in effect, so-called pure athletes because the sport is very, very important to them and to their well-being and to who they are, and they'll go into debt and have to, as Jack just mentioned, a lot of them carry jobs uh, so they can still find a way to pay their bills while they're playing softball, whatever sport it may be. It, it's just that that's the way it, it stacks up uh, in, in terms of college athletics these days. Let's, uh, let's continue with our calls. Let's go to Ed Ward over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Ed, what do you think about all this? I mean, I mean, you're in the well, middle of, of baseball and, and, and the kids. And, I, I mean, you, you think this is a good rule to have? No, because I'm going to tell you a situation right now. Okay. It was a, uh, I know of a situation this week where a person went in a transfer portal. Yep. She hardly has played. Okay. And all of a sudden this weekend she's in the starting lineup. She was in, it wasn't in the starting lineup all year. Oh, oh so again. You think there's a connection between the two? Creating all sorts of situations. She's already on a team right now. Yes. Okay. She's, she's already putting in a transfer report. She wants to leave for next year. I see. So they're putting her in. in, in she played this, this past weekend. Okay. So my, my, my I, point know, is once that. Once a transfer portal, yeah. La Vista, take a hike. You're not happy here. Yeah. Because I don't know if you remember, Rick, but back when I was coaching in the 90s, up uh, 80s and 90s, in baseball, there was there was a you know you could play right away. However, you had to meet five criteria and all that. Yes. And when that... I was at Fairly, and then when I was at Fairly Dickinson, we had uh we we feasted off the transfers and all that stuff. Matter of fact, one year there were three players from New Jersey who were at Tennessee. They had a new coach, released all the kids. We we had a player. Seton Hall had a player. Ruckus had a player. All three kids that year got drafted, so they couldn't have been bad players. No. Nope. Okay, if they're at Tennessee, and then they come back home, and then all of a sudden after the junior years get drafted. But I want to bring up a point when I was when I was coaching. Uh, you know, back in 2002, I was the head coach at Felician uh, College. I was the inaugural coach, mm-hmm. and we had a player. He was actually my number two pitcher. Came up to me prior to the season, said, "Coach, I'm not sure, but I may not be back next year." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of playing time. He was my number two pitcher. Right. He says, there's a major that I want to get, go, go into. Uh, your school doesn't have it. And the school he was going to transfer to was Division Three. So what I did was, Rick, the kid was honest with me up front. I let him play throughout there. He didn't make the decision until at the end of the season. So I mm-hmm. still kept him. Uh, I, a couple I, years later, I was coaching at another college. We had a player halfway through the season decide – that he's not coming back because, again, we don't have the major. Our head coach decided, well, he tossed halfway. We're not going to play him the rest of the year. You know, he, he still practiced with us, but that was the coach's philosophy and all that. So it's it's really getting crazy. The one thing about, about the transfer portal I, I want to say, every college coach is looking at it. It doesn't matter what level, ones, twos, threes, or, what, or even the JUCOs. Sure. Because if it's a friend, they'd love to get him on, on a JUCO roster too. The thing is, once you get into the portal, the college coaches cannot contact you, I believe, until two days after you enter the transfer portal and all that. But is it, is it out of control? Yeah, but 
Let me. I'm looking at I got. I got to take a time out because I'm gonna have to stop you. But I'm listening to you, and and I agree with you. Yes, the rules, particularly because of baseball, uh, and and the the in years past, and of course they're still in effect as of today. There are all sorts of rules and stipulations where a kid could transfer, uh, depending on everything from hardship, uh, a death in the family. Uh, you know, also as Ed mentioned, you know, the fact that school doesn't offer uh, the 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 uh, academics that they want, but all sorts of stipulations uh, that you can look for uh, in the NCAA rulebook if you want to transfer and not have to worry about sitting out a year. But you know, it's and the biggest one, of course, is you have to go and get a waiver from your current coach, which means a kid has to go to his current coach and say, look, I'm not really happy here. I want to transfer to this other program. Will you give me a, a waiver, so an exemption, so I can play right away? That has happened in years past, but it's really, really hard. Uh, and obviously, the whole new rule is meant to get away from all those kind of stipulations. It's, uh, it, it is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, again, this new rule... The, the wiping out the, the, the one-year in SID is not going to theoretically go into effect for a couple of years. So hopefully the NCAA can figure out how this is all going to play out. But it's going to be complicated, to be sure. And as we've heard so far this morning uh, you know from the callers, you know that college coaches are already looking at transfer portals and see which kids want are thinking about transferring and, and leaving their current program. And again... A lot has to do with playing time. A lot has to do with, uh, you know, how they feel comfortable at their school, how they feel with the coaching staff, and so on and so forth. But it's going to be huge. All right, let's 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 take a time out. 1-877-337-6666. Uh, when I come back from these commercial messages, I'll continue with our calls. Stay with me. New York's fan, Sports Radio, 101.9 FM, Hey, just a quick reminder that Richard Neer, he follows me at 9 o'clock this morning. Make sure you stick around for Richard and his fine commentary on what's happening in the world of sports. And, of course, you can always check out my website at askcoachwolf.com, where you can also reach me there as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at, uh, at AskCoachWolf. Uh, right now we're, we're talking about uh, this new proposed NCA ruling, which will basically wipe out the traditional policy of athletes. Uh, having to sit out for a year at the Division One level. Uh, that includes uh, football players, uh, men's, women's basketball, ice hockey, and baseball, which means that uh, the transfer kids can, trans- can play right away. Again, that's, that's a huge, huge change from what it used to be in the old days where you have to sit out a year before, if you go to a new school before you can play. Um, now, you know, for a lot of you, uh, you may think it's just a continuation of what's been happening already. Uh, again, the other sports in, in the NCAA, you don't have to sit a year. Uh, but for those those sports, which are the traditional revenue producers, uh, yeah, that's why there's been that, that rule in place. That they don't want to have a, a situation where kids are hopping all over the place from one school to the next. Um, the question is, if you're a, you know, a big-time college coach uh, and you're recruiting staff, I mean, you're going to be looking all over all the other college programs to see which to, which talented kids uh, are not getting decent playing time, and maybe they will be interested in transferring. And how does an opposing coach do that, not only legally, but is that even, 
I mean, is it ethical to look at other kids who may or may not be in the transfer portal and say, hey, you know, we, we would try to recruit you when you were in high school and you decided to go to where you are now. Do you want to consider maybe coming to our program? It's it's going to be very, very interesting to see how this stuff is um, is regulated, overseen. Uh, as I said earlier on the show, the NCAA always talks about how they're understaffed uh, in terms of policing programs. It's going to be interesting. We'll see what takes place. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to um, let's go to Tom, Coach Tom, over in North Arlington. Good morning, Tom. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Good, Tom. I've heard from you a while. How are you doing, pal? Oh, okay, okay. I just give a lot of other people a chance to talk. That's very kind <laughs> That's of you. Good. So, what do you what do you, um, what'd you make of all be, this? Before I get it, yeah. Before I get into my points, I just I, I mean because a couple of coaches were just talking, including Coach Ed, who's a great coach, by the way. I know him for years. Mm-hmm. Okay, how would these coaches feel if every time they made a move, they would have to sit in the university without getting paid and without being allowed to coach? Okay, and as far as putting time in recruiting, how do you think the kids feel? When a coach recruits them, you know, for a year and a half, two years, and then they're gone. So, you know, it goes both ways. With of course. That, of all course. Right? But as far as the, uh, the, the uh, repercussions, I think this stuff goes on anyway. I don't think uh, this is going to make much of a difference with scholarships because one school's gain is going to be another's loss. You know, different people will be, you know, as far as that goes. I think this will even out a lot of stuff uh, with the smaller schools. It will give them a chance to get guys who aren't getting playing time. Um, one thing that no one's talked about, I know this is probably going to sound crazy. Now, you, you know, in college, like all the great coaches, they have their coaching trees, kids that played for them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Sure. Would this start introducing, quote, trades? If, if you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Somebody will be like, all right, this is, listen, I got two kids here who aren't even going to play. You got this, you know. I know it sounds crazy, but how do we know for need coaches that know each other won't do this under the table, quote? Tom, I I don't, I mean, anything is possible. I mean, again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, one of the callers, uh, underneath all of this this new rule being wiped out is also... We're waiting to see what the Supreme Court says about kids basically becoming quote-unquote professionals in terms of earning money for their name and likeness and image uh, in college. seems like a very short transition from kids being pros in, in, in college to also basically having coaches who are pros saying, well, I, you know, talking amongst themselves, uh, old friends, whatever, saying, you know, I got a kid here. Uh, he's he's third or fourth in my depth chart, but he's pretty good, and maybe you could use him at your program. You know, how do we work out some sort of quid pro quo here? I mean, I, yeah, we, we know these things are all possible. Whether they'll take place, who knows, but boy, oh boy, it's it really is uh, going to be uh, the wild, wild west to see how the stuff go, goes on. Because let's oh, face I agree. It. And, now, and, and by the way, I don't think it's a bad thing, because I think a lot of this stuff goes on anyway. Okay, now. You're, if you're talking about money, okay, now they're not being paid. So I understand this. If all of a sudden they're going to be paid, then I think there's got to be a little bit more constraints here because, you know what, if they want to act like pros, guess what? Pros have contracts, and they can't break them. Yes. You know what I mean? So you know th- th- that part of it's got to come into it too. So, you know, if you're going to be amateur, then to me, you should all be able to move because they do it in the other sports anyway. I mean, what does that mean? It's not as ethical in another sport? No, they're just not making money. That's yeah, I, and I should point out, by the way, Tom, it, this is a one-year or one-time exemption. In other words, if you, if you transfer, 
you know, you, you can, that's a one time. If you decide to go to your next program and you want to transfer again, and kids do, do do that, as we both know, that then you do have to set out a year because they don't want to encourage kids basically hopping around from one program to the next. Uh, that that's makes fair. sense. Yeah, so. That's it, fair. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Rick, and take care. Thanks, Tom. Good to hear from you. You know, look, I guarantee you, I mean, as, as, as a former college coach and as a former college player myself, I guarantee you any kid who's on that bench is thinking, you know, I'm not all that happy with how I'm doing here in this college program. The, the coach doesn't seem, to, does, doesn't seem to like me that much, uh, doesn't seem to play me very much, doesn't really pay attention to me. So maybe I should reach out to, to uh, coaches, that coach at that other college program who really, really wanted me when he was recruiting me back in high school, uh, and I won't have to, if I go to his program, I won't have to even sit out a year. And I guarantee you those conversations are being had uh, with kids all the time, uh, and I'm sure they talk to their parents, I'm sure they talk to their, their teammates, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And again, this is going to be, as I mentioned earlier on, the stats are such that already we see a lot of kids uh, in basketball and in football in the transfer portal, and that's from three years ago, according to the NCAA. It's going to just, it's going to just uh, explode in terms of numbers in the next uh, in the next few months. Let's continue. Let's go to Glenn in Wappingers Falls. Glenn, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Rick? Love your show. Been listening for years. Um, Thank you. I had this experience firsthand with my older son, who's now in his early 30s. Uh-huh. He was playing for a SUNYAC school, Division three school. Right. He was promised a lot of stuff that didn't come about, and he was a pitcher and a center fielder. So he was promised that he would be playing some, you know, in the field and this and that. And for the first year, you know, the center fielder starting kid was a senior, so for the first year he didn't say much. But the second year is obvious that because he was a pitcher, the coach needed him to pitch, and he wasn't going to play him. Right. So he had the opportunity to transfer to a Division One school. But it wasn't so much the coach that didn't have to say. There was a compliance officer at the school that handled all this NCAA rules and regulations. Correct. And I spoke to him, and he would not – allow him to get, get a transfer and you know he would have had to sit out yes now there's I, I believe there's a medical waiver you can get or some yep. things that you can do but this guy just wouldn't play ball with us at all no pun intended but yeah. it was just very frustrating because it you know and kudos to these coaches that you had on that care more about the kids than they do about you know their wins and losses or whatever but uh, uh, thanks for your time. Great well, show. Glenn, thanks, let me just, before, before you go, I just want to comment on that. I mean, going through the uh, the NCAA protocol today, or as, as it's currently enforced, and obviously it's going to change, but you're absolutely right. If your kid uh, is in college and wants to transfer, uh, then uh, he has to go or she has to go to their current coach current, and say, I'm, I'm, whatever reason I want to leave. Uh, if the current coach says, I'm not going to give you that waiver, the youngster has the right then to go to the athletic director to say right, make, that, make their right. case. And then if the AD still has a problem, then they go to the compliance officer. In other words, there are some steps in place, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get that waiver because invariably well, they, don't want you to, they don't want you to leave. It doesn't make a coach Well, that's good. what happened because yeah. I said, well, can we get a medical waiver or a red shirt or whatever? And the compliance guy said, well, is he going to play, is he going to play here next year? Yeah. And I said no, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. It, it is a it's a problem 
that has been around forever. And Glenn, thank you for for bringing that to our attention today. You know, the the thing is, um, that's been the biggest hurdle for most kids. Uh, And uh, again, it doesn't look good for a college coach to have a situation where one of their players who's been recruited, who's been in their program, is deciding to go someplace else. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, there are other, you know, real-world stipulations that sometimes interfere or give the kid and, and, and the program a chance to say, okay, you can go home, be closer to home for whatever reason. Uh, but, again, those are fairly rare. Uh, it's more about the kids just unhappy with playing time, and, and that's, that's a problem. Um, and this rule is intended to get, I guess, to, uh, to, you know, to get rid of that concern. Uh, but, again, right. it's going to have – Thanks, Glenn. Um, it's going to have a huge impact as, as this goes on the road. Okay, let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Rob over in Lake Success. Good morning, Rob. You're next up on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I, I'm sad I missed last week, but I want to touch on that in a second. I think it's a really good rule for the athlete, but bad for the coaches. It's going to create a revolving door you know, situation, at least for that one time. Yep. But here's something that no one's brought up this morning. When you get that, that kid that gets that scholarship to Michigan, okay, let's say a great Division One school, academically, Stanford, these type of schools, what about getting that degree? When you graduate, you have that great degree because it's only the very, very few select that are going to get to play professional sports anyway. So when you think of life, when that kid makes that decision, Okay, to go to that big time school. Now, when they graduate, they got to go on with life. But if they got that degree, maybe from Stanford or Michigan, versus maybe a lesser school, when they get that degree from, if they wrote, you know, if they move to another school, will that carry the same weight? And and I think we're looking at it from the sports part right here, you know. And but I want to well, touch on the grit. I missed it last week. Okay. And, I, and 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 here's my thought on this. Okay. Individual sports, when it comes to grit, I really believe that you know you can teach the youth athlete only so much at a very young age, but it's that special athlete who will go out there, that baseball player that will go and pitch against the wall by himself, or that tennis player who will go against a, a, you know, practice against the wall because they don't have anybody to play against, or any specific sport that has that inner drive that will you will use, I think that's a gene. I think that comes, Rick, comes really from within because it's something that comes, I think, genetically. And then, you know, I'll refer you, obviously, to that book on the sports gene. I know you don't totally agree with it, but there's something about the athlete that it comes from deep inside that they will just keep on training and it can be used in life. And I know well, it's a great topic. I, I'm sad that I missed it. Yeah. And I hope I contributed my thoughts this morning. Well, Rob, thank you. And I will tell you that, uh, yes, first of all, and, and it's a good thing to remind our listeners, if you do happen to miss uh, an um uh, you know, the show, The Sports Edge, uh, you can just go to WFAN.com and the, the show, all my shows are there on the podcast and you can go back and quickly just find the link uh, and, and, and play it uh, because I know a lot of people do that already. Um, and and it, it, again, it, it's something that um, I'm, I'm happy exists. And again, it's a great reference and a great archival uh, piece of material. Um, and, and I'm sorry, Robin, missed the show last week, but yeah, I did start off by saying this is something kids at a very young age, it, the parents are the ones, are, you know, I want your kid is obviously enjoying and, and has developed a certain passion for their sport. 
when the kids are seven, eight, nine, and begin to realize if they want to get better at the sport, that's a young age. That's when the moms and dads are, you know, basically can sit down with their kid and say, look, if you want to get better at the sport and improve your skills, that means you're going to have to basically spend some time practicing it. And that's, that's where the kids who really are passionate and really do want to get better, that's where you'll begin to see the first inklings of a sense of, of grit beginning to take hold. By the time they're in their teenage years, uh, you don't have to really worry about any of this. If they really are focused on being a top athlete, they will go into that so-called 10,000 hours portal where they'll basically practice and practice and practice on their own. Now, whether or not that's a genetic trait, uh, you know, of grit, I don't know if it is or not. I have often said on the show that for kids to get to the, the elite professional level, in my opinion, it takes A, God-given athletic talent, which of course we have no control over, and B, the kid has to decide early on that they really want to be competitive and practice uh, all the time at their sport. Uh, that's That to me is the overall goal. Again, uh, grit is an essential lesson, not just for sports, but for anything they do in life, because once they finish with their athletic career, whether it's the end of high school or college, then obviously they, they have to prepare for the rest of their life. And grit is a huge, huge, a great uh, weapon to have as you go into the next phase of your life. Okay. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. Great conversation today, as always, about what's happening with this new rule with NCAA and what's going to happen. It will be a wild, wild west, at least for the next few years, as kids go into transfer portals and college coaches got to figure out who they're going to recruit and how they're going to do it. We'll hope for the best. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.